Welcome to the Parsha Perspective. Each week, we will delve deep in a weekly Torah portion to find a practical and insightful way to enhance your daily life. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Rabbi Shalom Yemini, and each week we'll look into the weekly Torah portion to find practical and insightful ways to enhance your daily life. This week's Parsha Perspective is in honor of the birthday of Ella Silvia Lea. May Hashem give her and her family much success, health, and nachas. This week is dedicated to the success of the Parsha Perspective and to those who listen, watch, and share it. May Hashem bless each one of us with true happiness, health, and meaning. This week's Parsha Perspective is in loving memory of Silvia Bas Herschel, Edward Ben Ephraim, Shlomo Ben Edward, and Yerachmiel Daniel Ben Gedalia. May their souls be uplifted and may their memories be a blessing. This week's Parsha Perspective is in honor of the Rafua Shalema, the complete and speedy recovery of Haravamita Ben Shoshana, Shu'u Ben Brita, Michaela Bas Noga, and Noga Bas Nava. This week's Torah portion is Parshas Shemois, the sound of silence, and we begin the second book of the Torah, Sefer Shemois. Our Parsha ends the origins of the story of how a family came to be and begins the birth of a nation. The Torah starts off by giving us some context to the Jewish people's situation at that time. Yosef and all the brothers had passed on, and a new power forgot about Yosef and all of his accomplishments, and therefore decided to enslave the Jewish people to find an answer to his Jewish problem. In this episode, I focus on Moshe's adulthood and events that occurred at that time. But in the past three episodes I did on Shemais, I focus on Moshe's birth and childhood, and you can listen, watch, and read those episodes on ParshaPerspective.com. After having grown up in the royal palace, Moshe ventures out of the royal residences and sees the slavery of the Jewish people. He sees an Egyptian slave master hitting a Jew and decided that he can stand by no longer as his brothers and sisters were suffering. So he said God's holy and secret 72-letter name, instantly killing the Egyptian. Moshe's actions were eventually told to Pare, so Moshe fled to the country of Midian to escape Pare's punishment. When he arrived, he went to the city well and met the seven daughters of Yisroi, the chief priest of Midian. And after helping them draw water for their animals, the sisters returned home and told their father what happened. Yisroi then invited Moshe to stay and eat in his home, and Moshe eventually married Yisroi's oldest daughter, Tzipora, and became the shepherd for all of Yisroi's animals. Once while shepherding the animals, Moshe came across the burning bush. And as Moshe stepped closer, God called out and said, Stop! Do not come any closer and take off your shoes because you are standing on holy ground. He told Moshe that he has heard the cries of the Jewish people and wanted Moshe to lead them out of Egypt. But Moshe objected. He argued that he has a lisp and therefore cannot adequately represent God's holy words. And God responded, Who gives the person an ability to speak? Who gives him a mouth and makes him mute, deaf, or blind? Isn't that I, your God? And although Moshe tried not to accept this vital mission, He eventually accepted the mission and gathered his wife and children and headed down to Egypt. However, a question comes to mind. When Moshe became the shepherd for his father-in-law, Yisrael, the Torah writes, And he led the sheep after the desert and he came to the mountain of God, Chareba. But why did the Torah write after the desert when it should have just said he led the sheep to the mountain of God, Chareba? What does after the desert add to the story? Rashi Rav Shlomo Yitzchaki, the leading commentary on the Torah, answers this question by explaining the normal behavior of shepherds. He quotes the Medrash Rabbah that cautions against using shepherds as witnesses since they allow their flock to graze on other people's lands. 
But Moshe would not allow his animals to pasture on property that was not his. Hence, he led his sheep to graze on ownerless land deep in the wilderness. The Torah specifies this seemingly minor detail to teach us how holy, unique, and special Moshe Rabbeinu was. He was uncommonly pious even before God revealed himself and told him to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. He was a royal Neman, a faithful and trustworthy shepherd in all aspects of his life. However, the Abarbanel, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Yehuda Abarbanel, gives a deeper and more profound explanation. He writes that guiding and leading animals provides the shepherd with a lot of time for self-reflection and improvement, and therefore they are able to obtain an intense connection to God. Like we see many tzaddikim, many righteous and holy people were shepherds. Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, all the twelve tribes, the twelve sons of Yaakov, Moshe Rabbeinu, David Melech, King David. The Abarbanel explains that shepherds had a deep connection to God due to their spare time and because they were alone. And this combination of independence and self-reflection enabled them to be extremely sensitive to the holiness and spirituality hiding just beneath the surface, to see and recognize how God is indeed running this world. And this is why the Torah adds Achar Midbar after the desert for Moshe went on an extended journey to find himself and to find God. The Abarbanel continues that solitude and silence mean Moshe hypersensitive to God's holiness. The Torah writes that Moshe did a double take when he saw the fiery bush not being burnt, and he knew that there was a deeper meaning to this interesting and strange phenomenon that he wanted to investigate. And only after did he come close did God reveal himself to Moshe, as the Pasuk tells us, by Yahashem Kisarli Rice, and God saw that he had turned to see, and it is only then God called out from within the snare, the burning bush, Moshe, Moshe, then Moshe responded back, I am here. We have a similar lesson being taught to Eliyahu Navi when he was desperately searching for God. The Pasuk tells us that after the earthquake, after the earthquake and fire, there was no God in the fire. But after the fire, there was a soft murmuring sound, and that's where God was. Eliyahu Navi was being taught that not in the fiery flames will he find God, but in the deep silence of his heart where he finds his true self. Moshe's curiosity and sensitivity developed by being in silence of nature made God finalize his choice of who he wanted to lead the Jewish nation out of Egypt. In our daily life, it is important to realize that when we check our phone for the upteenth time, we are actually looking for a distraction to fill our time. We are either unable or unwilling to be alone with our thoughts and the feelings of our hearts. Yet many studies show the benefits of being in silence. We sleep and rest easier, we become more self-aware, we grow increasingly more creative and inventive, but most importantly, we become holy and spiritual. There's an amazing quote, In the silence behind what can be heard lies the answers we have been searching for for so long. Have a great weekend and good Shabbos. Thank you for tuning in to The Partial Perspective. Check out our website, thepartialperspective.com. Send thoughts and comments to thepartialperspective at gmail.com. Till next time, thanks for listening.